This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to the Not Known Ever podcast, first podcast of 2017. I'm Jamie Smith, joining me this week are Adam, Natalie, James and Kevin, a full house on the podcast this week and two games to go over and a new signing and various other things, so let's crack on. First up, Burnley lost away from home, surprise, surprise, two on defeat, Manchester City on Monday, I think it's Monday, um, reasonable performance from the Clarets, but still no points, still just one point away from home, but at least we scored a goal. Um, Natalie, start with you. How do you assess this one? I suppose it's it shows how far we've come that losing to City by a, one goal, and we're all a bit disappointed. Yeah, we are disappointed, and I think a lot of that is because we have, regardless of what the stats are showing us and the points on the board are showing us, we have made improvements away from home. We were pretty poor away from home in the opening couple of months of the season, and certainly against Spurs and against City today, we put in a much stronger performance and one that we can be really encouraged by. Um, I think the disappointment is probably made a little bit stronger by the fact that they got reduced to 10 men. Um, I think you always feel um, somehow if you just feel psychologically that when you're, um, when the other side go down to 10 men, you suddenly feel like you're definitely going to win. Um, And to be honest, the opposite of that is usually true. It can be a lot harder to play against 10 men than it can um, against 11. And and they certainly um, executed um, plan B very, very effectively when we, we didn't really. Um, So I'm, I'm a bit torn, if I'm honest. I'm I'm hugely encouraged by some real improvements away from home, especially at difficult teams. Um, I'm slightly disappointed that we didn't take advantage of the extra man that Deitch reverted back to being a little reactive rather than proactive. Um, and once again, we didn't really stamp a particularly very positive mark on the game. Yeah, I mean, um, before anyone's more critical of, of Deitch, obviously the massive caveat is that we're 11th in the league, even after the City game. Um, I think overall everyone's absolutely delighted, but I don't think that means he should be immune to any criticism whatsoever. Um, James, what did you make of Burnley's approach? First half, he seemed quite solid. Um, Towards the end of the first half, we had a lot of the ball, but second half, totally different game after City brought on David Silva, Sergio Aguero. To be fair, two of the best players in the Premier League. Yeah, obviously those two players have a lot of quality about them, but I felt that we may be... uh... 
sort of sat back a little bit and encouraged them onto us. I think particularly, you know, for their first goal, you see that our field gives uh, Clichy way too much space and, and ultimately comes into a stronger foot. And it's a good strike, but he, he shouldn't be given the space to, to take it. I, I thought the way we set up, obviously he can maybe complain that our field starts ahead of default, but um, when they've got 11 men, you probably expect them to dominate and maybe we spend more time defending, in which case maybe the you know the running effort of our field is, is better to have than Defoe's skill. But I think as soon as they go down to 10 men at half-time, we should be looking to bring Defoe on and, and really take advantage of the numerical advantage we had. And ultimately, I think we sort of went more the other way and, and became a bit more defensive. And, you know, they bring on two quality players, but if you let them come at you, then that's going to count for more than uh, if you maybe kept them penned back and, and, you know, made them pay for losing a man so early on. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure we'll come on to Stephen Defoe um, in more detail a bit later in the podcast. Seems like we have a Defoe corner at the moment on the podcast. Um, Kevin, coming on to you, though, Scott Arfield in midfield... It seemed a strange call to me because in the Sunderland game when he moved into midfield, he really struggled. So if that was a bit of an audition for him, he failed it, and then Dash picked him in midfield. I think, yeah, we've always. I don't. I think you can probably count on one hand the number of times that Scott Arfield has had a decent game for Burnley in central midfield. Um, it's difficult because we know that Stephen Defoe's got got fitness problems at the moment, and obviously he he started the game. Uh, a couple of days before, but I, I think for me it, it comes down more to recruitment. But we've we've gone into this season with with three recognised central midfielders in in Hendrik, uh, Defoe, and Marnie, and we've got Scott Arfield who can play there. We've got Aidan O'Neill if if push comes if you know if we really need him there. But you really need more than three three recognised central midfielders, particularly when we've been playing with four five one on occasion as well. And when you're playing that. And you've not you've only got three central midfielders and you're playing three central midfielders, that shows a huge lack of depth in the squad. And that's what it comes down to for me, really. Um, as soon as you start to lose one or two of your central midfielders, you really come and Scott Arfield's playing of central midfield shouldn't it should never become an option. It just shouldn't happen. And I think it showed that yeah, we really struggled on the ball, I think, in the middle, uh, particularly when we went down when Man City went down to ten men and we thought we our field was particularly wasteful on the ball. There's quite a few sloppy passes. I think that's the sort of thing that Dufour, um is much better at. He might not have the energy to run about and put as much pressure on the opposition as Scott Arfield has. But when we do get the ball, Defoe will waste it much less often. Uh, and I think that was pretty costly to us, um, particularly in the second half. Yeah, I think um, Kev mentioned a couple of other things there. Firstly, um, DeFore's fitness, the the whole uh, situation with um, Arfield staying on for the entire ninety minutes, um, uh, or as close to as as possible. Um, it, there are t- there are two sort of sides to this. You, firstly, you've got um, Goodmanson just coming back from in- uh, injury, so you don't know whether he can play more than sixty minutes. Um, and then you've got. Uh, Defoe, who we don't really know how long he can play because sometimes he plays for longer than half an hour, sometimes he doesn't, and and we don't really know where we stand. Um, so I think that's that's the difficult thing about um, sort of assessing this situation is you don't really know how much of a factor fitness plays. We don't know how because as far as I know, Dutch really hasn't 
properly explained why Defoe is being left out. I think it seems, the excuse seems to change. Yeah, not- he's used to the, the placeholder adapting to the Premier League thing, hasn't he? Which yeah. is a bit of a stop asking me the question answer. Yeah, 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 exactly. And and so I think he can't really complain that fans are a, a bit so, sort of confused at, at the whole situation. Um, and... And it's it's kind of frustrating to watch because we we all know how well he can play, how well he can distribute the ball. Um, but but how like how much of the the situation is due to um, fitness and how much is due to sort of tactics and whatever? Um, we don't actually know. Yeah, I think um, it's telling that you're referring to it as as a situation um, because I think it's becoming a situation. You've now got uh, Burnley fans chanting Stephen Defoe's name whenever he's not on the pitch. It's obvious that he's very, very popular. For me, he's our best player by country mile. Um, and we've said before that you build your team around your best player. But it's down to fitness, isn't it? If he's not fit to, to play, he's not fit to play. Um, we'll come on to the Sunderland game, but I felt it was an opportunity to bring DeFore off. Probably as soon as the third goal goes in against Sunderland, and then maybe you get more out of him for this one. And I'm with James on that he, he has to come on at half-time. Um, the first half today... After Fernandinho's red card, it was so obvious that City were just going to sit in until half-time, uh, wait to see what Guardiola wanted to do to change it, and obviously he made the subs that then made the difference. Now, we're not saying Defoe's as good as David Silva and Sergio Aguero, but they brought on their two best players. We left ours on the bench until they were already ahead. Um, that was the frustrating thing for me, Natalie. It seemed like that was a real opportunity, a fairly obvious move, and... Dash played it safe, and City might well have beat us anyway, but for me, that, that cost us. Yeah, I agree. I think that's what I was very much alluding to in my opening comments of this. It felt like Dyke should gone back to being reactive rather than proactive, and he just he wasn't positive enough for my, for my liking. I think he was quite negative, and he's too... Well, I want to say he's too scared away from home, but I can't imagine that somebody in his position uh, with his professional reputation is too scared. But I can't really think of anything more. I don't know. He's just so cautious away from home. It's like he's terrified to just go for it. And he had nothing to lose today. He was facing a side that nobody expected us to to beat. He was facing a side that then got reduced to 10 men. And he had an opportunity to really push forward and make some positive changes and go for it. Um, And that, that negativity spills onto the players as well. The players look a shadow of themselves when they're away from home. They don't play with the freedom and creativity that they do at home. They don't, they're not fearless at all. So I really feel like, I mean, today um, in his post-match interview, Darch was saying that he felt that that was the one that got away. And I just thought, well, that that's your fault. Yeah. You, you know, you can't right, whinge about that. He's right, yeah, exactly. he has to take responsibility. He, he yes. let it get away. From, it wasn't the players. Yes, he did. Um, yeah. Look! Look what happened against Bournemouth. He was—he saw yeah. the change coming from Howe. He made the um, tactical change before he did, and we saw the game out comfortably. And he just—he won't do that away from home, and I don't understand why. Yeah, I mean, I sort of understand why Defoe didn't start the game um, because I think matches where matches where we're not going to have a lot of the ball, Defoe's going to have to do a lot of chasing. He's going to get more tired more quickly. Defoe said earlier in the season that that's one of the things he's found um, more difficult to adapt because he's used to playing for teams that monopolise possession. We don't do that at Burnley. So obviously that's going to have an impact. But towards the the end of the first half, we were having a lot of the ball. City were standing off us and there was an opportunity to get on the front foot and try and dominate the game. 
not making any changes and letting City bring on two of their best players and doing nothing to counteract it, it just seemed to me that it, it was wait and see football management for me and it's it's just not good enough. Yeah, I think like what you're saying about us not really knowing what to do with the ball, it, it kind of showed that City have had seven, I think seven sendings off this season so far, seven red cards, and they, they seem to know what to do, sort of how to react. There was like a, a period where we sort of saw a lot of possession and we were a bit on top. Um, but then in the second half, it was like they had 11 men. We didn't really like know what to do when we had had we, we, we had the advantage. Um, and and we're on the other hand, we're not very used to playing with against 10 men. So I don't know whether like that's the issue as well is, is we played against a side with 10 men who have played um, with 10 men seven times so far this season. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know whether that's anything we can do about that, but um, I, th- I thought it was an interesting ob- observation, at least. Yeah, um, let's do DeFore in a bit more detail. Then. Some quotes came out from his agent um, in the last 24 hours, I think, suggesting that he'd be open to a move to China. Um, if you've not seen these already, I don't know if it's anything to be that concerned about, or just agents being agents. Apparently he can't move in this transfer window anyway because he's already played for two clubs this season, so he can't be registered to a third. Um but James, Adam used the word situation to describe what's going on with DeFore. It's quite obvious that he is disappointed with not playing all the time, but if it's his fitness, isn't it? His his It's down to him why he's not playing, isn't it? I, I don't know what to make of it, really. Yeah, I think quite you know, a bit of the blame does just sit with you know, DeFore himself. If he's not fit enough to, you know, to play 90 minutes regularly or to you know, contribute well beyond sort of the 65th minute, then he can't really have any qualms about either being taken off or, you know, not being played in certain games because there's some games where, you know, maybe, yeah, if at home I think it's fine to play him for the first 60 minutes then have to bring him off. Um, but if you're talking about an away game and, you know, you want to get a foothold in the game or you may be just sort of scrapping all game, it's no good really having someone who's going to tire on the 60-minute mark and to bring him off. Um, but you know, you, you see. I think every time he comes off, he immediately has an ice pack on his, you know, on his thighs. So I don't know whether you know his his muscles are maybe, um, you know, tightening up when he tries to push himself or something else. But we've seen previously that Dash doesn't play players if they're not fit. So you, you must assume that the fitness is there for him to perform at a level Dash is happy with for at least some length of time. Um, whether that's as long as fans would like it is, a, is another matter but it just seems to be it's a bit of a frustrating one because obviously as fans you look at it and he's easily the best midfielder I've seen play for Burnley and as a result you want him to play every game but maybe sometimes it, it is the case that the manager has to make a tough decision he's, he's just not fit enough to start Yeah I, th- I think Natalie said last week or a couple of weeks ago that with DeFore being such a classy player we want to watch him all the time as well and I think that's, that's probably what the frustration is um, Kevin, in terms of the, the team today, though, with there being such a short space of time since the last game, but then quite a long one until the next league game, because you'd expect we'll rotate quite a bit for the FA Cup, would it not have been fair to ask the four to maybe play through the pain barrier for this one? Um, really, it's, from from everything we hear from DeFore, he would have wanted to play. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a difficult one to answer, really, because... You don't know. I'm guessing every player's individual fitness um, like situation almost is probably is very unique and very personal. It could be, it could be that 
maybe he wants to play, maybe he was happy to play for a pain barrier, but he Dice felt that he wouldn't play, be able to play to the to the standard uh, that that we require, particularly you know in a game against a team like Man City where he's probably going to have to do a bit more chasing and running around than he might have done against the likes of Sunderland. So um, it, it's one of those where Burnley's fitness team uh, and before between men probably know better than anybody else. It would have been nice. Um, obviously, we'd prefer to, for him to have uh, started the game and played played a much bigger part. But at the end of the day, we've, we've got to we've got to we've got to assume that there's a reason that he's being kept out, and there's there's a good reason for, for that that happening. We've just got to hope and assume anyway. Yeah, um, Kev, you were talking about squad depth earlier on and signings. Burnley announced the signing today. Uh, the timing of it for me was a bit cute. It seemed like we were holding it back in case we lost to City so that we'd have something positive to announce. Um, but Joey Barton's move, um, it was on the cards that had already been trailed. The club had said that they were going to do it. Confirmed today. Um, we'd, we'd all been a bit concerned about this, this betting charge from the FA, but the club statement makes it quite clear that they, they know about this and they're not too concerned about it. So uh, it looks like we're going to see Joey Barton as a Burnley player very soon, Kevin. He cleverly served his suspension today. So assuming he doesn't get another ban, uh, will be available for the cup game next weekend. Yeah, and, and hopefully you'd, you'd probably expect him to him to play in that, um, at least in, in some part. You know, he's he. it's not like last season when he came in and he'd not been with a club for a while, so he had to get a while to get to get his fitness back. He's he's had a club this season. He's been training with us. He seems he, we had a trialist a trialist playing in central midfield in a uh, an under twenty threes game um, the, other, the other day where I don't think anyone was under twenty three in the team. But, um, <laughs> so you've got, to, you've got to assume that that was Some very old looking twenty three year old. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he's you know he should he should have fitness. So hopefully you'd assume he'd, he'd, he'd come into that game and um, you you probably expect him to start, but at least play at some point by coming off the bench and. And get back into the swing of it, and, and get back in the team. Um, I think it's a it's, it's a fantastic signing. Hopefully, um, you know the club will have learned something from the from the Andre Grace uh, scenario that they have talked to relevant people, both on on Barton's side, on their own legal representatives, talked to the FA in some in, in some um, role as well. And hopefully, by signing, well, you've got to assume that by signing him and actually going through with it, that there's some confidence that it's it's not going to be a problem, and if something does happen with the betting thing, that there is a does end up being a problem that we've got some protection in there, so that we don't end up paying Barton for the next six seven months for him to do nothing. Um, but yeah, it, 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 I, I think he's a fantastic player. Today we show that we need that more added depth in central midfield. Um, maybe you know the fact that he's been here before and the fact that he's had a bit of a trouble, quite a bit of trouble in the last few months. The fact that he's got a good relationship with Sean Dyche means that I mean if we if we went out and signed someone from the you know brought in a new player spent you know four million on a the likes of Henry Lansby or somebody like that um they'd probably want to come in and demand demanding to be straight in the 11 all the time maybe Barton might be a bit more um obviously we know that Barton wants to play wants to win um but it, it might not be as uh, as much pressure to play him all the time and yeah I, th- I think just as as well as adding that really crucial depth, I think that his his mentality is going to be absolutely crucial to us. We saw last season that he he didn't want to get promoted; he wanted to win the league. That was if we if we come second, he he felt he'd be a, he'd be a failure. Um, so that 
And again, he won't want to stop up on goal difference. He won't want to just come stop up by a point. He'll want to finish up as high up the pit table as possible, and he'll really drive uh, drive the players on. I think I've seen a few things. It was almost like a second manager of the dressing room last season. I think I've seen a few people saying that he'd come up before games and give a a passionate speech and rally the players up. So that will be really important to us. I think it's fantastic to have him in the squad, but also to have him in the dressing room. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Joey's book in there, actually. A couple of uh, bits from from his time at Burnley that were in there. He said he joined Burnley because of Sean Dash. We sat in his kitchen and made mutual promises which were more than fulfilled, which uh, sounds quite exciting. <laughs> he also said, I responded to him as one of the few managers I felt was a friend. Uh, been meaning to do this on the podcast for ages, James, but you had a review copy of Joey Barton's book, so do us a little review. Was it any good? Enjoyable. I'm sure lots of people got it for Christmas. I got it for Christmas. I'm sure it was a very popular gift. I've I've seen, obviously, he's retweeted plenty of people who've uh, had it, including some tweets of the interesting ways people end up picking it up, like uh, abandoned in airports and and that kind of thing. I thought it was a really good book, actually. And obviously, it was light on on details about Burnley, with it coming, obviously, so late in the writing process. But he did have a lot of good things to say about Sean Dyche, including, obviously, the quotes you've just given. But um, in particular, I thought the really interesting part of it was about him talking about his upbringing. And I think it sort of shone a lot of light on why he has had the troubles he's had and you know, showed the background he's come from. And um, I think when you, you read through it, it does give you a bit more of an understanding of people who've maybe come from less fortunate backgrounds than, than a lot of us have. Um, and it, it gives you an appreciation of how difficult it can be for them to get out. You know, you look at that he talks about friends who, you know, commit crimes in there. And you do see that it can probably be easy for people to get sucked back in. And obviously, as a Burnley fan, a little bit does read across to, to Andre Gray as well. And um, obviously with him coming from a tough background and the, you know, the incident we had early in the season where, you know, previous comments came to light, it does show you how well that both of them have done really to get away from what their backgrounds are and make a, a pretty good of, pretty good, change to themselves as people so you know wholly recommend it as a, a read from more from the human point of view rather than the football point of view there you go book reviews on the no name ever podcast i used to back that for a new improved no name ever podcast and speaking of joey barton's book this whole podcast seems to be about joey barton's book we have a copy to give away james has just given it a glowing review if you want to get your hands on a copy of joey barton's book all you have to do is pledge to our Kickstarter. You see why I brought up the book now. It's clever, isn't it? Pledges start from just £3, which gets you a mention on our new and improved website. You can also pledge up to £200 if you want to sponsor. No name ever for the rest of the season. We have quite a lot of pledges already. We're up towards 50 backers, so massive thanks to everyone who's contributed. We are less than £50 worth from our next goal, which is to interview a club legend so if you want to help us get there and give yourself a chance of winning joy barton's book please make sure you pledge before the kickstarter runs out you've got a couple of weeks left on that one and i've got some thank yous to read out as well before we carry on with the podcast these people have all pledged already so thank you to thomas kelly rick goddard rick does our art of course paul bostock nathan graham Cowking, I hope I've said that right, Kevin Schofield, Mike Landers, Mark Philipson, David Lee and Patrick Spencer. Very bloke heavy list of thank yous on the podcast this week so thanks to all those people for helping to make sure the podcast can continue until the end of the season. 
Busy podcast this week though, so let's get on to the second game. A home win over Sunderland, Burnley's biggest win of the season so far. And James, to come back to you, the Andre Gray hat-trick. With an Andre Gray hat-trick. Andre Gray with a hat-trick. An Andre Gray hat-trick. Andre Gray's going to get a hat-trick. Carty's going to get four assists. It's going to be an Andre Gray double hat-trick. Heard it here first. The traditional Andre Gray hat-trick. Andre Gray hat-trick. Bet your houses on it. Andre Gray hat-trick. It's the return of the Andre Gray hat-trick. It's got to happen. Andre Gray hat-trick? Yeah, two of them. (laughs) Give us some predictions for Middlesbrough and Sunderland at home. Over a two-game spell, it's going to be an Andre Gray hat-trick. don't think that's really a thing, but yeah. (laughs) Andre Gray goals coming up. It happened. What what sensational scenes. And how much money did you have on it? 50p? 50p. (laughs) (laughs) I know we've said this a few times, and I was thinking earlier today, actually, I should probably tot up how many times I put it on last season and how much money I have lost in total betting on Andre Gray getting a hat-trick. Because even though it has come in twice at very reasonable odds, I think I'm probably not far above break-even. Um, so that justifies, I think, the 50p decision. I never thought it'd happen. I think, actually, in the podcast before You uh, tipped Boxing um, Day, a hat-trick across the two games, so you're yeah, remarkably exactly. close. Um so in the end, you know, four of the two games was was fantastic. Uh, I believe Ashley Barnes owes me a quid as well because I put Andre on for fourth goal scorer in play, and obviously Barnes had Gray didn't take the, the penalty. penalty. Yeah, I thought Gray was going to take it. You could see Gray was loitering. Like if I get offered it, I'll have it. Yeah, but you could see he didn't want to be greedy, having already bagged a Premier League hat trick. I think he probably felt like maybe he'd, he'd had enough. I thought it was a, a great game from Andre, though. It, it showed what we've been saying for so long, that we really need to take advantage of Gray's pace to beat the defence. And obviously, I, I felt even early on, before they had to make changes and, and drop John O'Shea back, Sunderland didn't really look confident any time the ball was sort of being put forward for Andre to chase. They looked a little nervous that he, he'd, he'd have the beating of them. And, you know, I think all three goals were great work by Andre. I particularly like the second. You know, he does so well to take it around the keeper. And then he, he just calmly pass it into the net. And you see the uh, the replay and the look on his face. He, he had no doubt he was going to score. And I think that, that shows you the, the quality of the player he is. Even though he may not have scored so many Premier League goals yet, he's a confident player who, who knows he can do it at this level. Natalie, we all know that, that Andre is a confidence player. A lot of strikers are the same. They might have a run where they don't score goals, but... Once they get in a run of form, they tend to score a lot of goals. And we saw that from Andre last season. Um, he scored a hat-trick at this time of year, weirdly, between Christmas and New Year. So he must he must like the cold somehow. But um, <laughs> we talked about him making the difference against Middlesbrough. But scoring a hat-trick, you can't ask for more than that from a striker. No, you can't. I mean, you know, he didn't really do anything else today apart from just score three goals. He was a bit lazy the rest of the game. <laughs> I'm only joking. Um, should have had more than three, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. get more than three. <laughs> Good. Let's not get greedy. Um, I think we mentioned this on the podcast last week that we were talking about the effect that it had um, scoring against Borough would have on Gray's mental game. And when he came on against Sunderland, he just looked like a completely different player. He looked up for it from the beginning. He looked positive. He was... It was just the old grey that we we knew and loved last season. He really, really looked like he'd, he'd turned a corner. Um, and and you're right, Jamie. I think he could have easily scored about ten if he'd have wanted to. Um, and to have a player, I mean, even 
let's put this into perspective. Even though it was a very, very poor Sunderland side who we were playing, and I'm not entirely sure we will have an easier game in the Premier League ever, um, it's still a pretty impressive start to score a hat-trick in the Premier League. It's not an easy thing to do, but he made it look easy. And I'm just, I'm really, really pleased for him because I I just think that we've got the old grey back now and I think we're going to see him score a lot more goals now between now and the end of the season. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the, the second and third goals, after he got the first, there was just no doubt as soon as he got into those positions that he was going to score goals. And that's the Andre Gray we saw last season. We've all wanted to see it this season. Obviously, it's been a very disrupted campaign with a suspension and then struggling to get back into the team. But a fit and firing Andre Gray is going to be absolutely crucial for us. That takes him to five goals for the season, our top goal scorer. And I think we just have to make sure we keep giving him the service. That was the difference against Sunderland. Um, albeit a very, very poor Sunderland side, as Natalie said. Um, and Kevin, what struck me about the Sunderland performance was how professional and controlled we were the first half. It was only 1-0, but Burnley were totally in control of that game, although Sunderland, I suppose, will point to an injury to Lamine Corne. John O'Shea had to move back into defence. They had a bit of a reshuffle. That seemed to be a bit of a pivotal moment, but Burnley were always on top. Yeah, I think I think it was you, Jamie, who who said at half time that you were actually worried about complacency because it was just so. Yeah, well, it, it was, and then we scored twice <laughs> quickly after half time. Yeah, because we we were just so on top. It was there was we were just so in control of Sunderland that yeah, there was a concern that we were just going to be so comfortable that would we get too too confident? We were we were just playing so well, would we get too confident and uh, let them into it a little bit more? Uh, it went the opposite way. We we came out in the second half and were even more on top, and we we really ripped them. To, it was like a half hour spell, really at the at the start of the second half when we were just phenomenal. We were just tearing them to pieces. <laughs> James has just said in the chat, but I'm running out of ways to articulate. I don't. we were really good, <laughs> really yeah. really good. Uh, yeah, it, it was fantastic, and I think mean, at the end of it, obviously we, we conceded the goal at the end, and you know we know that. Jermaine Defoe is he scores goals and he got that one chance and he scored it. Uh, but even after that, you know, we we were comfortable when we went to protect, not protect the win. We were, we, I don't know if there's any any ever any threat of us losing the win, but we just, we saw out the game professionally. Um, Sunderland maybe had a bit of freedom to pump the ball up to Defoe a little bit more, but there was never any any risk of it being any more one to Sunderland. And throughout the game, throughout the whole field, obviously, like like you said. We, you can you can only play what's in front of you, and Sunderland were diabolical in in parts of the game, but for all their faults, we were just phenomenal throughout the field from start to finish. Yeah, I mean, I've, I think you've got to um, you've got to give Burnley credit for Sunderland being that bad as well. We forced a lot of the mistakes. Stuff. I think the third goal, Stephen Pienaar just falls over, and then one pass from Defoe, and we're in. Um, but you've still got to take advantage of those mistakes. It's all very well saying the other lot were crap, but. I think we made we made them look that bad. Yeah, and I think they were all classic Sean Dyche. It was, it was classic classic Sean Dyche Burnley. Yeah, it was, it was, it was direct, so well as, but still nice it was, football. It, but it was fantastic. What we did exactly so well in the championship in that we we really got in the, got in their faces. We pumped the ball up. Um, Ashley Barnes jumping up with those two defenders for the first goal, and um, Andre running running behind the second goal again. That big Andre Gray got right into the into the defenders' faces and the goalkeepers' faces and. Uh, again, with the third one, um, Ashley Barnes really using his, his strength and getting it there and being very. Got the, every each and every one of those goals, we got the ball forward very, very quickly. Used our used our strength by players, 
keeps that pace. And that's what Sean Dyche's team do so well. Yeah. James, it sounds like a ridiculous thing to complain about, but for me, we could have put our foot on the throat a bit more. It seemed like at 4-0, the four came on and we had to reorganise the midfield a bit. Our field, I don't think, played that well after he went into central midfield. Defoe had been sensational, completely ran the game. Um, but we did let someone into it a little bit towards the end. I suppose the game was won by then, though. Yeah, I think, you know, you look at the Defoe goal and uh, I think the whole team had maybe turned off there because it was awful. It, it wasn't just... You know, it was through the central midfield, it was the centre backs, it was Wilton at right back. I think everyone sort of made a mistake in, in that move and ultimately that's why DeFore scored. But we I think we could have gone and scored more and, and it would have been nice if we had because, you know, it could be goal difference at the end of the season that matters and a big win like that at home, it's great for your goal difference, it's great for your confidence as well. Um and I think really actually if you look at the game, there was more chances there for, for Gray in particular. I think he could have had five or six. Could have been a, it could have been the sometimes muted double hat trick, um, but I felt he, he, you know, there was a few chances that just got away from him, and in the, towards the end of the game, the service actually dropped off, and and Dash brought him off early. It was almost like last season again, where you know we were used to Gray coming off, scoring a couple, and coming off on seventy minutes, and uh, previously it was denying the hat trick, now it was just denying him extras. Yeah, I mean, like it's, it's a very minor complaint, obviously. I was absolutely thrilled with the way Burnley played. I, I felt like we controlled the game pretty much from the off. It took a little while to score the first goal, but once we got in front, that was it. And I think that's 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 the most exciting thing. Once we get in front at home, we just seem like we're going to win every game. Seven home wins now. Um, Adam, it moves up to 11th in the table. I'm sure Burnley fans couldn't believe it. Looking at the detail, seeing Burnley in 11th place and still 11th after the defeat to Man City... I think I've said it would be a, a disaster, is the, the family-friendly way of, of putting it. Let's call it a disaster. Um, but if Burnley were relegated from here, something would have had to go very wrong, albeit with the caveat we've had a lot of home games. Yeah, it feels very alien. Um, I mean, at some point, in order to stay up, I think we need to start getting points away from home. I think that's quite an obvious statement to make them. No we do, however. We've got, um, I think, the bottom five at the moment, all those we've still got to play away. Oh, really? So, so yeah. that could go very wrong unless we... But we're on the, on the other hand, we're looking like we're picking up our away form anyway slightly, um, even though we haven't picked so many points recently. We're we improved in terms of performances. So uh, in that regard, maybe that's a good sign that we've, we've managed to avoid our closest rivals um, at the bottom of the table, playing them away from home. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's it's quite an alien feeling to actually believe we we will stay up. In previous seasons in the Premier League, I've said we would stay up, but I've not really actually ever believed it. But I think this time, I think this time it might actually happen. Um, I'm not as bold as you as to say it'll be a, a right fuck up if um, we're gonna go down. Um, but yeah, so this time I feel I feel like it's gonna happen. Um, hopefully, with any with with any luck and with improved away form, it looks looks more likely than ever. Um, and yeah, as you say, I think something will have had to go incredibly wrong. Um, I'm sort of like scanning through my, my mind thinking what could possibly go wrong. And I realize there are many things that could go wrong from this stage. Um, but that's the glory of football. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing if we can we can not mess up. That, that, that's the, the aim, I guess, now from this point. Well, I think 
obviously before Christmas we're all talking about um, Borough and Sunderland at home being two big games that you know if, if we won both of those we'd have a real chance to stay up um, and obviously we've come through managed to do that uh, which I think puts us in a, a really strong position but for me now the, the key fixtures going forward is uh, the, the two game back to back where we have Hull and Swansea at the end of February beginning of March I think if we can you know win the two of those or get four from six then I'd feel pretty confident that we'd we'd make it to the end of the season and stay up, as, particularly as it's Sunday and two weeks after that as well. So, really, it's four weeks with three huge games in that I think really will um, decide decide our season. Really, yeah. I mean, Natalie, when the, when the fixtures came out and the, the Liverpool games were swapped, I think a lot of people looked at this period in the spring, isn't there, when there's six weeks without a home game because there's an international break and three or four successive away games. Um, and obviously we've not been getting results away from home, but they are against teams that are going to be at the bottom of the table, and although results have still not been good away from home, three last defeats have all been by a single goal, so progress is being made. We're not getting beat 3-0, 4-0 anymore. It's, it was only 2-1 today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, it definitely is. How are you feeling um, about it at the moment? Because we talked, as James says, these Sunderland and Middlesbrough games, they were going to be absolutely huge. Set six points yeah, from were. them, 11th in the league. It's looking very good at the moment. It is looking good. And I mean, even after today's results, we're still eight points clear of the bottom three, which I think all of us would have taken before the end of the season. We are, we've now matched um, at the halfway stage the total amount of wins that we had in both the previous two Premier League seasons. So we've obviously done what we did last time and the time before, but at the halfway point. So saying that you know we can't really get too complacent and I think I mentioned previously on the podcast that if we have any desire to stay up we every single game at home becomes massive and it becomes minimum three points required if if we're not going to sort out our away form but yeah we talked about this at the beginning when we talked about the city game the away form is getting better I can see improvements um and I'm I'm actually really encouraged by the the end that we've got at the, sorry the run we've got at the end of the season. When the fixtures first came out in July, in all of the Premier League seasons, I don't look at the usual like who we've got in the opening season, who we play in Boxing Day, you know, when do we play United away? I don't look for those. I usually go straight to the last eight games of the season because we know now and we're experienced enough in these seasons to appreciate that it's the last eight games of the season that tend to define whether you're not you're going to stay up or not. And when I saw the fixtures this time and the last eight to eight, possibly even ten teams that we play, I felt really, really positive um, because we've got winnable games and we've actually got, we've learned this season and we've learned from our previous mistakes. And I think Sunderland is real evidence of this. The last two campaigns, we just didn't, we weren't ruthless enough and we didn't beat the teams around us. We had some great results against big teams, but we 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 lost home games against our relegation rivals. And these six points over Christmas were absolutely vital to making sure we didn't make those same mistakes again. And we didn't, we won those Um and you know, I'm encouraged. I think I think we'll do it. At the moment, it feels it feels like we can stay up. It feels like it almost feels like four more wins and a draw maybe will be enough this season. Yeah, possibly. I mean, uh, we did uh, the end of the season predictions on the, the show last week, didn't we? But I think um, we might all be underplaying it. I think we might clear forty points the way it's going. Um, I think you're, you're right about the running. It's obviously going to be absolutely crucial. But I think we could be safe by then. I mean. People are going to be listening to this and going, what have you done with Jamie? Because I'm normally known for being quite negative, but I'm completely positive at the moment. Um, 
as well, you point Natalie about um, learning from previous seasons and losing to the teams around you. I think we've learned from this season. Obviously, first day of the season, yeah. you don't know what's going to happen. True. But we lost to Swansea, who've been abysmal. And we threw away two points against Hull by Hull. giving away yeah, a free kick right. right at the end. So we could have got results in those two games and been even further up the table. Much higher up than yeah. we are, yeah. And I was really frustrated with those games because it just felt like it was going exactly the same way as it did before. And I met this, I had this whinge to my dad after those two games and said, you know, we're not, we're just not learning from our mistakes. And, and it, people get very critical of you when you get a little bit too dramatic about the Premier League. But sometimes you can predict things really early on and sometimes you know when people say oh you know nothing's been decided yet there's still eight you know 10 20 games to go whatever actually in the premier league you can map these things out pretty early and if we hadn't if we'd have got zero points over the festive period and we'd have that means we'd have lost at home to swansea dropped points against hull and got beaten off both sunderland and borough we were down and i, I don't care how sensationalism that is sensationalist that is that's how important those games are because you do not get the volume of opportunities to recover from mistakes that you make in this league. Yeah, I mean, after the whole game in particular, I had really strong deja vu feelings. It seemed like it was going to be the same old story. Um, I remember at the start of the season, I didn't feel like we'd done enough in the transfer window and that I was going to come back to haunt us. Delighted to have been proved wrong so far. Players like Hendrick have really stepped up in the last few weeks. Defoe, signing Defoe was an absolute masterstroke. Um, obviously, the transfer window is open now, Kevin. We've already signed one player. So, someone joking, I assume, on Twitter earlier saying, have we signed anyone yet? We actually have signed someone, Joey Barton. I think the first signing in the Premier League. Um, so, apparently, got be accused of not doing their business early. Um, but, does being mid-table in the league mean the perspective has shifted a little bit? Do our targets change now or is it the the same it feels to me like it's an opportunity to be a bit more ambitious now um i'm not sure if our targets change um i think sean dice will probably have a very good idea of who he wants to to go after um and that will probably be di- dictated quite a lot by our by the financial situation um there's potential he might be able to get a, a couple more quid from the board, but I don't think that'll be significant. I think where we do have the advantage is that we probably a, a much more attractive proposition to um, to any incoming players. If if you look at we're talking to players at the start of the season, where we're Burnley, we're unfashionable, we're probably going to spend less than anybody else. Um, and there's the potential that you 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 go straight but down and then next next year you're you're a championship player. Um, you look at us now when we're we're mid table, we're very very good at home. Uh, and if we can break that that away form, then we we could be a very very good team in the Premier League. And you you look at us now and you you think okay, this is potentially a team a, a team I can go to, and there won't be a championship team next season. This is a some a team I can come to. And establish myself as a as a Premier League player. There's not that um, the, the the threat of, of being relegated. And I think we become a much um, a, a much more p- attractive proposition. And also, it's just there's a bit more of a feel good um, a feel good situation about Burnley. You look at the start of the season, you probably have us down as one of the worst teams in, in the league, if not if not the worst team in the league. And you look at us now, and we're, we're not. We we, feel, we look like a much better. Better team. I think there's probably a, just a lot more of a, a feel-good situation about looking at Burnley. So I'm not sure if it's the the targets change, but I think the, the way we 
the ease of acquiring those targets. Yeah, it should be a bet- um, an easier sell, shouldn't it? To yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, one player that we've already inevitably seen um, linked to the club is Henry Lansbury. Like, no! his, his name's probably going to come up on every podcast until the end of January. Cannot wait for the end of January. <laughs> Adam, I'm not going to ask you for specific names, especially because you were on the other side of the world for the first half of the season. But <laughs> what, what do you think maybe, um, what areas should Burnley be looking for? What's missing from the squad at the moment? Well, I think Kev touched on it earlier, and I, I think this has always been an issue. But and ironically, we're we're stronger in central midfield than we have been for a long while. But um, I guess Jerry Barton narrows that a bit, so that we've already done well there um, in terms of strengthening. Um, but another centre forward wouldn't go uh, amiss. Um, another centre half with an eye to the future because surely Michael Keane's going to leave soon. We've got Tarkovsky, but we'll need backup for him. So if we're um, succession planning and then um in an attack i think something we needed for a few seasons um is a pacey winger some pace in the side so we can counter when we're when we're like with our backs against the wall um obviously we've got the pace of andre gray but then we need someone to distribute to him um, and possibly keep up with him so um yeah i think that's my assessment of the situation yeah i think um a winger's got to be on the agenda hasn't it we tried to sign uh the polish lad grzycki on deadline day i imagine players of his profile are sure going to be on the agenda this time. Good Munson's made a big difference and he's proven that we needed to upgrade on, on Bowden Arthur because I think he has been a big upgrade if we could do similar on the other wing. Have Good Munson and another winger, I think we'd really start to look like a Premier League outfit. Um, James Goals, always, goals are so important for teams towards the bottom. Andre Gray's obviously firing at the moment. Sam Bolts has been a bit quiet Ashley Barnes has done okay. Patrick Bamford, obviously, not playing enough. Do you think another striker might be on the agenda? Robbie Keane's name's been mentioned. Veteran Republic of Ireland international. He'd know Hendrick and Ward, I suppose, from uh, international football. Yeah, I mean, I've seen the links to, to Robbie Keane. And, you know, I've, I've heard of thinking of him in like a Kevin Phillips role towards the end of his uh, Premier League career. And, you know, someone off the bench to try and steal a late goal. I mean, you could maybe see that, but I, I don't think we're really actually lacking in, in centre-forward depth at the moment. Maybe another another loan to replace Bamford when he, he goes back, because I don't think he's staying, obviously, um, due to lack of playing time. Um, but I think for centre-forwards, we're, we're pretty fixed. Obviously, we're having Volks, who is our joint top scorer with Gray. Um, there's options there that if one stops firing, we can sort of mix mix and match a little bit. Uh, for me, the key area is is a winger. We, we need we need like a a player who can just get at opponents. Um, someone like um, before. What's his it's name? Someone like a Michael, Michael Cattley. Cattley. <laughs> maybe with a bit more a little bit more Premier League quality to him. Because uh, obviously, even though I am a big what? fan of Cattley, Birdie, did you just criticise Cattley then? Is all behind him. <laughs> unfortunately, he's not got the knees of a young man anymore. I don't think. Um, Birdie, what, so what's proud. going on? Jamie <laughs> has been positive. <laughs> I know. Birdie's been realistic it's, about it's a new year and everything's still upside off, down. Still offers something no one else. This does. is the alternate no they never podcast. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, even, I'm, I'm, I'm even almost articulating my words. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> See when we when we launched the the Kickstarter and said it was going to be new and improved. What we meant is that everyone's just going to say the opposite to what they normally say. So anyone who's pledged, suckers, we got you. Yeah, but please do carry on pledging. 
Not not going to lie though, was bitterly disappointed to see him not even in the eighteen these last two games because he offers something in our squad that no one else does. But when he's on the ball, he at least attempts to get his full back. Uh, I know his end product's not not what it was when he was uh, at Wolves, obviously several years ago now. But I feel that he offers infinitely more on the ball than Arfield or Boyd wide. Um, Goodmanson obviously has, has come better as the season's gone on, and I feel that he now maybe does offer a little bit more than Carty does. But prior to that, I thought Carty actually offered the most of any of our wingers from an actual opportunity to get the ball in the box point of view. Uh, so if we could bring someone in who you know has a similar sort of mindset to the way he plays and wants to get his full back, try and get the ball in the box, but you know maybe has a, a bit of more quality to him, maybe... Uh, Grisicki obviously he was rumoured to be coming previously and I've, I've seen that that apparently isn't entirely dead yet but that could just obviously be paper talk again but for me it is key that we, we find a way to sort of uh, get two new first choices ahead of Boyd and Arfield really for me Yeah I, I think that's, a, that's fair to say I'm sure we'll talk about the transfer window more on the podcast but like I said at the top of the show there was a lot to go through and I almost forgot I almost forgot Natalie to go to you for Tweet of the Week. Tweet of the Week, Tweet of the Week. Tweet of the Week, Tweet of the Week. Tweet of the Week, Tweet of the Week, Tweet of the Week. Indeed. How rude. <laughs> I'm sat here waiting for Get your indeed in, get your indeed in. I know. <laughs> When's my moment? I only come on this bloody podcast to do Tweet of the Week. I know. <laughs> my feature, you're not ghosting me out of it. By the anyway. way, have you noticed, before you actually do it, have you noticed people are trying to award Tweets of the Week on Twitter? Yes, I have. And I'm do they not realise that only you have the power to do that? It's, it's me this power. week. Mine. <laughs> no, it's not. Adam's Adam. tweet was in the paper and now he thinks he's good at social media. I know. I just, uh, well, besides the fact that none and ever team members are not allowed to be in Tweet of the Week, so I'm sorry. But Apart from but when yes, you but... gave yourself Tweet of the Week. That, strictly, that was the listeners who gave it to me. So that, that allowed, happened. It, <laughs> yeah. it all went to it hell did. when you were away. Natalie gave herself to the week. I know. Honestly. It was a special moment. <laughs> anyway, moving back to more important matters. And on that note, yes, Jamie is right. People, can you stop awarding Tweet of the Week? Thank you, because you make my job much more difficult. Thank you. That's your homework for this week. This week's Tweet of the Week comes from Rob Greenwood, who summarises pretty much what we've been saying so far in um, about 140 characters, I believe. And he says, last time around, failure to win home games against the teams around us cost us. We've given ourselves an excellent chance at this stage. That is all. And Rob, we completely agree with you. Everything is looking rosy and that won my Tweet of the Week. Congratulations to Rob who wins this week's Tweet of the Week. Um, I think on last week's show we were talking about uh, setting up the Predictions League. We forgot to do that properly. So um, that's our bad. <laughs> we'll start that for the, the next league game. Um, but we'll do predictions for the cup game anyway. Uh, Burnley at Sunderland. Kevin, we're going to see some rotation for this game, surely. You've already said Barton, surely going to play. Um, it's an opportunity for some fringe players. Maybe free Kitely. Yeah. Kite hat trick, bang on. <laughs> <laughs> Get all your 50p's on it. Right? <laughs> to be honest, um, I, I won't recommend any more than 10p on a county hat trick. <laughs> Money you, yeah. money you wouldn't mind losing down the sofa, basically. Maybe Sean Dash has lost Michael Cowley down the sofa. Maybe that's where he is. You can talk now, Kevin. Go on. <laughs> Thank you. That's very kind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, there's probably going to be some some rotation. I, I 
I don't think Kylie will play. I just don't think he's got much of a future left at Turf Moor. Um, yeah, I think Barth will come in. We might probably Vokes might get might get a start. Um, Tarkovsky probably get a bit of a game. Um, and yeah, hopefully it'd be really good if we could get a few fresh faces coming, but mix it about a little bit. Um, obviously, we've not got a huge squad, so we can't do um, <laughs> those fresh faces are still going to be players who've played a lot this season. Um, but if we can treat it a little bit different to an away to a away league game, um, hopefully we might be able to take a little bit of a, me- but a different mentality into it. Um, we know that we can beat Sunderland um, with ease, <laughs> um, and <laughs> the, the, maybe not the, the pressure um, of, of what we we've seen in the Premier League away games. We can take a different mentality, go with a bit more freedom. Um, and we really, I think it's a really fantastic opportunity to, to really go for it away from home. If we can get a win in this one, it potentially opens up a, a big window for us because it, 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 although we've still got the... It's, it's still different to a, a league away game. If we can... I think we're just winning a, a game away from Turf Moor would be a real big thing for us mentally. Uh, and that gives a really good, big platform to then go on and, and take that into, into the next coming um, away league game. So... It's probably going to be a bit of a bit of rotation, but I, I'm really hopeful we can use this and really go off and really take it seriously and, and use it as an opportunity, not not necessarily to put, to to go further in the in the cup of obviously that with it, but to to be to give us a platform to address our away league uh, league form. Yeah, I think that's fair. Someone quite good at, at home actually, although. Results away have been pretty rubbish like ours. They're decent at home. They got a draw against Liverpool today, which is a very good result for them. A couple of Jermaine Defoe penalties. Uh, James, we were terrible at Sunderland in the league, in the Premier League last season. But in the Cup, remember, we had um, Middlesbrough away. And that, that felt like a, a big turning point for the season for me, that we went to a team that was our rival and rested some players and still won. So there's an opportunity to do something similar again here, isn't there? And it could be a real important moment in our season, although I'm sure most Burnley fans just aren't that bothered about the Cup. Yeah, I would say I imagine if you asked, asked any fan now would they rather get to the fourth round of the Cup or stay up at the end of the season it's, it's a no-brainer, isn't it, what you pick but like, like you say about last season, I think it's an opportunity to go away we'll probably play a few different faces I think that there is a chance Carter will start there or at least play some significant parts since obviously he was in the squad against Borough. Only if you become Burnley manager in the next week. He played. Uh, did he not play Atkinson? He, he did play Atkinson. Depends how many changes he wants to make. Obviously, I think we'll see Defoe will be rested. Um, I'd fancy Barton's chances of playing. Uh, obviously, a chance for him to to get familiar with the lads again. Um, I, I think we'll see Vokes up front. Uh, so it, there'll be a few changes, but I don't think it'll be massive because there's not really the depth there to to do it. I'd imagine. Um, any lone players who are available to play in cup games might might get a, a chance to, to show what they've got. Um, you'd imagine Tarkovsky to play at centre back rather than one of the regulars. But other than that, I think it'll be much of the same. Maybe Heaton will get rested, but probably not. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I think. I mean, we talked a lot about squad depth on the podcast this season, but in some areas we do have quite good squad depth. I think it's. Certainly an opportunity for, for Tarkovsky to play. Volks will probably come in for, for Barnes or Gray. I think it's a chance to, 
to give some players a chance to shine. Um, Natalie, what are you expecting from this cup game? Are you bothered about the cup at all? And give us a prediction so we can wrap up the podcast. I am bothered about it, and I know I'm perhaps in the minority here, but I... I know how important Premier League survival is and I'm not naive enough to think that that's not the absolute aim of this season and probably at the expense of everything else. But it's been such a long time since we had a good cup run. It was the 2009 League Cup the last time we got quite deep in anything and I'm just, I do I do like a good cup run and I think it's just it just a, a nice little bit of distraction for the fans and it's it's an opportunity to get a piece of silverware and I think it's, I think it's important and we are all very critical and very... I guess down on the demise of the FA Cup. It's not got the glamour it used to have, and it's it's still a really important um, competition for a lot of lower league clubs. When we were in that position not that long ago, so there's there's a kind of I feel like I'm banging a moral drum here, but there is a part of me that thinks that we have a responsibility to the lower clubs to take the competition seriously and to and to give it um, a real go. And as a fan, I would love to see us do well in it. So I. It is important to me for that reason. I would love us to field a strong side and I would love us to have a really deep run in the FA Cup. However, I fully appreciate that that's probably not going to happen. And Deitch has also got to manage fitness levels, sharpness, but also manage his players' uh, morale as well. So he also has to balance that duty to some of those players who've been patiently waiting for their turn. And I think he will use the squad that way. Um I think that Sunderland will not have any... I think they'll have even less desire that we, than we will to do anything in this game. They have the slight advantage of being at home, but I think they'll be even more woeful than they were um, against us on Boxing Day. And I am predicting a very... Comf- not Boxing Day, sorry, on Saturday. I think that we are going to win comfortably. I'm going to give it 3-0 to Burnley. Part of me, like... I think we'll win comfortably. I think we'll win like 3-0 as well. But part of me thinks that we should do really badly because it's probably good for us to have Sunderland in the cup as well um, as in the relegation zone. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's my conspiracy theory. If life was a conspiracy theory, which it's not. Um, then... <laughs> also aliens. <laughs> also aliens. Yep. And also... Can I, can um... I, is, is, that, is that a conspiracy theory or is that just a... Just a, a suggestion, a theory. I don't think it's that. I don't think about it really hard, though. Aren't aliens all aren't theories, theories conspiracies. Aliens are just real. Like, I think it's just a suggestion. <laughs> I think you've misadvertised this. No, I think. No, you're wrong. No, I'm sorry. This is this is out of order. Out of order. Um. Okay. <laughs> um. James, do you want to give us a prediction? I'm going, to, I'm going to say we're we're going to win four uh, nil. Sam Volk's hat trick. Sam Volk's hat trick. I think Gray will get get ah, arrested. Sam Volk's hat trick. Remember Sam Volk's and one for Cartwright. Hat trick of assists. Hat trick of assists. Kevin, if you've regained your composure, give us a prediction. Ooh, um, what what's the what's the what happens if it's a draw? Is it then we have a replay? replay. Yeah. Is it a replay? Okay, I think we're going to draw one all then. Interesting. Um, You're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> Just a theory. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a conspiracy theory. That's my conspiracy theory for the night. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm going to wrap it up from there. Um, I think we'll have a podcast next week. We'll be back to normal. Um, 
Actually, we're going to try and do Sunday podcasts from now on as part of our Kickstarter, which I want to plug again now. We've raised £650-something pounds already, but we are trying to reach a 1000 If we get to a 1000 we will partner with local charity until the end of the season. You can pledge as little as £3 to get a mention on our shiny new website. We're only £50 away from our next goal. So if you've been thinking about pledging and you haven't yet, what are you waiting for? The link's in the show notes. Get on with it. <laughs> Thanks to Rick who sent us our artwork for this week. I think it's Andre Gray related in honour of his hat-trick. Thanks to Adam who's going to have to edit this sorry mess into a podcast that's audible. <laughs> Kevin, James and Natalie have also joined me. I've been Jamie Smith and thank goodness this is over. This has been the Non and Ever podcast. Goodbye. Jesus Christ on a bike. <laughs> what actually just happened? <laughs> I don't know. I still talk about aliens, which is weird. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what, 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 what game are we predicting? Is it Sunderland? Top up my glass, get my priorities in place. There we go. <laughs> We're just giving you an outtake there. That's like prime outtake material. Right. Good evening, guys, and I will see you next week. I like the idea of a drama. Bye. I like the idea. Bye. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.